Welcome to the Sand Hills Podcast. My name is Pastor John. I am joined today by Chris Bird, who, uh, if you were watching last week, I got to interview my father. This is my father-in-law. So what a fun little tag team this is. How nice is that? This is so, awesome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I've been uh, watching, listening in, and um, you're doing a great job. It's fun, well, thank to, you. fun to see your different topics. It was really great seeing your dad. I hadn't seen your dad in a while. So. Yeah, awesome. And it's, uh, it's so cool to have you on because you've gotten to do uh, a lot of jobs uh, throughout your careers, and it's hmm. been so cool. I'm excited to dive into that. And one of the reasons that we're so excited to have him on the show is that one of the big topics um, in Christianity right now is that idea of, uh, you know, social ministries and social justice and reaching right. out to communities and can the church, can't the church, this and that. And so it's going to be really cool to get into uh, the theology of some of that and, and with your job now. But uh, before we dive into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, how and when did you come to faith? Yeah. Um, so Chris Bird, uh, I've lived in South Carolina my whole life until 2013 when we moved to Athens, Georgia. And um, I grew up right smack dab in the middle of the middle class. Mm -hmm. So small town uh, in Greenwood, South Carolina. Um, great. Just me and my younger sister. And um, just had a great childhood there. I was very happy. And um, but, you know, God wasn't really on my radar very much. Wasn't really thinking about that. Um, we were part of the church. Uh, I remember uh, being baptized when I was um, probably 12, 13 years old. It was a very moving experience for me. Um, but I remember thinking about that, that right after that, think, wow, this means I can't ever do anything fun ever again. <laughs> so, Classic. So, so you can tell that, you know, there, it didn't really, uh, I wasn't really thinking that, that much right. about, uh, correctly about mm -hmm. that. So I um, went to school at uh, Clemson. Um, go Tigers. Yeah, there you go. I was there and I was not looking for God at all. Uh, but it was about that time that um, my parents split up and it really rocked my world. Uh, it made me start thinking about the big questions like, well, is this what all life's about? You go through life and trouble hits and you have pain and then you die. Mm. <laughs> you know, well, that's pretty bleak. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty, um, pretty deep thoughts, uh, uh, dark thoughts in some ways, you know, for mm -hmm. you know, a young, a young man, but it really actually got me started asking questions and, um, you know, what's life all about? Um, then I had a good friend who eventually became my roommate and he was having some of these same questions and uh, we would go for long runs together and spend time talking about, you know, what do you think, what do you think life's about? Or what do you mm -hmm. think it means to be a Christian? Because I had some vestiges of that. Right. And, um, and he offered one day, he said, well, you know, I met this guy on campus who said he would be glad to sit down with me and whoever else we want to, to look at the New Testament to see, to specifically to answer the question, what does the Bible say it means to be a Christian? Mm. We said, hmm, that'd be great. That'd be a cool place to look. Right. And, um, and then I can remember sitting on a bunk bed in a dorm room with this little paperback New Testament in my hand, um, hearing that, just like everybody else, I was a sinner. 
I didn't I didn't need a lot of convincing about that, frankly. Right. Uh, so I knew, I knew that really well, um, and but also realizing that sin is much more serious than I thought. Mm-hmm. I tended to think that sin was, you know, an inconvenience. God could just look the other way. Right. And but, just the fun stuff that we could do. Right. 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 And then, so I think understanding that, uh, you know, where it says in Hebrews, it is appointed for men to die once. And mm. after that comes judgment. Mm. So that kind of shook me thinking about that. And then um, was able then to see for the first time that I really understood it, mm. that God loved me enough that he willingly sent his only son um, to live the life that I should have lived but didn't, mm-hmm. and then to willingly die to pay, not for his own sins, because he didn't have any, uh, right. but to pay for mine, mm-hmm. and that um, if I trusted him, he would give me, as an exchange for my sin, he'd give me uh, eternal life and a reconciled relationship with God. And that idea, sophomore in college, totally changed my world. Wow. Um, and I say it sometimes now, I've never gotten over the fact that God saved me, God loved mm. me, and uh, and he gave his son for me. So One of my favorite things is in uh, Galatians, where Paul's talking about his testimony and how he know was encountered by christ and in revelation that he uh was called into it and he says it was god's good pleasure Hmm. to reveal it to him and i absolutely love that and i I can hear that so much in your story where it's the idea of god's pleasure and revealing his son to you because you had that experience when you were a kid and you thought man now i'm you know you think you know slave to christ and you're like i can't do anything fun you know i'm in chains and you realize that um, you know, like Paul says, I'm a slave to Christ, but you're really free. Hmm. And those those bleakness, uh, those thoughts, and, and the heaviness of those questions, you realize there's freedom in Christ um, from that. It's just amazing to hear. Right. And so what what jobs have you had since uh, that sophomore decision? Yeah, so I went to went to school, major, majored in finance, thinking I'm going to be a banker, just like my dad. And then um, when I graduated, the uh, the economy was in shambles. Banks mm-hmm. weren't hiring anybody. Um, so I ended up getting a job on campus um, working in human resources. And the, um, the head of human resources at Clemson uh, kind of took me under his wing, kind of adopted me a little bit mm-hmm. to, you know, to help me out. And he convinced me to go to graduate school. So I worked in human resources there, ended up getting a master's at Clemson and then kind of starting a career focused on human resources. Um, moved to Columbia, worked for uh, the central kind of management um, oversight group for state mm-hmm. government and state budget control board. Was there for about 20 years, uh, focused, a career focused on HR, mm-hmm. and then moved to the university in 2007 and worked in, in HR there as well. well. And then now you work with Downtown Academy. Yes, so um, 2018, I retired from the university mm-hmm. and moved to Athens and now serve as executive director for a group called Downtown Ministries. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. know, all this included in that. And that is so cool that, because um, for some of our guests, you know, they came to faith when they were already in the professional world. And right. so they had kind of careers before faith in ways that they would do their job, you know, before knowing who Christ was and what he had done. And then ways that they would do their job afterward. But you were able to enter the workforce 
um, as a Christian. So how, how did your faith impact the way that you did human resources? Yeah, that's a great question. It, um, and frankly, it, it evolved mm. somewhat because I would say I was conflicted uh, about career. Mm. Um, I think just the way once I became a Christian, like I said, my life totally changed. And right. I remember asking God, okay, what do I do now? Mm. Do you want me to be a minister? Do you want me to go be a missionary? And um, pretty consistently, I just kept hearing from the Lord, no, I've got other things for you to do. And I struggled for a while thinking, am I a second-class Christian? Mm. Just because I'm not doing, quote, vocational ministry. Right. And so I really wrestled with that, trying to understand, okay, Lord, what is you're clearly, I don't think you're leading me into vocational ministry. Right. So in light of that, how do I um, fulfill my calling in a way that um, is with integrity and it doesn't compromise my faith? Because mm-hmm. I knew at the core it couldn't be right that there's like tears of, you know, people who are. Right. And pastors are somehow more righteous and holy. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Everyone else is just having to go do worldly things right yeah absolutely you're right so so i think trying to understand those things and process Mm -hmm. those things theologically and understanding my view of the christian life uh it was it was working in um in process so you know there's one this sense of i'm an ambassador for christ wherever i am so Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm looking to uh, service as representative in the world to to do my work with excellence Mm -hmm. um but then I think over time, it became an even more comprehensive view of that in that, okay, God cares about the workplace. Mm. God cares about uh, universities. God wants there to be um, people who are prepared for life and to understand right. the world and understand um, creation and understand all that he's made. Right. Um, you know, with the density of people that live on a college campus, you can say there's a, a high density of the image of God mm. on a college campus, yeah. just like there is in a city. Right. Know? And so trying to say, well, how do we form the, both organizationally and then by policy and then, you know, individually and how we relate to one another, how do we do that in a way that, that honors God mm. when I'm not, necessarily you know, preaching you right know, you know right. but actually how do i work out a calling in a way that brings honor and glory to christ absolutely and it's so cool because when that that, that misconception of second class christians you know that we kind of talk about that people in ministry are are you know they got it and it's funny because even mm. you know the the tension when i was in seminary was that if you're being a u.s pastor you're a second class pastor <laughs> but yep. if you're going out to a third world country you're you're really doing it all and then the reality is that it, it, it takes the body, right? Uh, you know, to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. And so, your influence at you know USC and working in that job carried much further than any pastor could have on a Sunday morning. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because you're you're there, you're you're in the thick of it with those students and with the faculty and writing policy. And it's so amazing to get to hear uh, things like that and know that God has been at work in those places. Right. Right. Because a lot of times people will look at um, you know, state institutions or federal institutions be like, oh man, it's all going to heck in a handbasket. And there it goes. Right. But, but God has strategically placed people uh, 
to help influence uh, those decisions. So cool to hear that you were one of those influencers, you know. Well, I was trying to be, and mm-hmm. but I, and I think too, from a theological perspective, the the idea of the kingdom of God really animated my understanding of what mm-hmm. God's doing in the world. Um, is is God just saving people? He's doing that absolutely, mm-hmm. but um, part of what the resurrection shows is that not only is um, has Christ made a way to forgive sins for individual people, but it says in Colossians, he's restoring all things to himself. Mm. So to be a part of, I can be involved in work of the kingdom um, because his kingdom covers all things. Absolutely. And so, Everything is being restored. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I love that. We haven't talked about that perspective yet on the show, and so I'm really mm-hmm. happy you mentioned that because that's such a cool way of looking at it is if he's restoring all things to himself, every job is profitable to be in. Right. Um, and that reminds me a lot of uh, something one of my professors told me. I was sitting, having lunch with him, and I was talking about a class I didn't want to be in, and I was like, oh, this is such a worthless class. And he said, if you're in a class and you're gaining knowledge and God has all knowledge, then any knowledge you grow in brings you closer to God, and every mm. class is profitable. And I was like, that just ruined my argument. And, <laughs> and it's the same concept with right. working. No matter what work you're doing in, you can be a part of that restorative process, and I love that you brought that perspective in. Mm. That's amazing. Right. Uh, and so now you get to be in a, a, a ministry position uh, in terms of how you interact with your community, and specifically for Christ, you know, and, and you're not... Uh, you know, working one job and doing Kingdom Impact incorporated into it, right. the whole job is Kingdom Impact. Um, if you will, so can you tell us a little bit more about Downtown Ministries and what you do there? Yeah, so Downtown Ministries um, is in Athens, Georgia, mm-hmm. and um, when people think about Athens, they think it's got a cool music scene. It's got the University of Georgia there. It's uh, it's listed on a lot of. Uh, rating services as one of the best places to retire in the mm. country. Um, so, you know, just because there's a lot of things that go along with it, being on a college campus and right. those kinds of things. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is that Athens, in terms of the percentage of people who are living in poverty, uh, it is among the most impoverished cities in the country of, wow. with a population over 100,000. So Athens is like twice the state and national averages of the percentage of people who live in poverty. Oh my goodness. So Downtown Ministries came out of a local church trying to say, one, who's my neighbor? Mm-hmm. And how do I um, look outside? And, um, and the church you know, very intentionally says that they want to be kingdom-focused rather than church-focused. So they mm-hmm. want to be focused on what's God doing in the in his kingdom and bringing the restoration of things into that community uh, and then trying to say, well, who do I serve in light of that? Right. And so it was started by saying, okay, maybe one of the ways that this church, um, Redeemer Presbyterian in Athens, of how they could serve their community is by loving and serving the kids in the community. Mm. And so they um, started the Downtown Falcons uh, as a um, football program uh, for kids. I mean, youth sports is, is Huge, big. Yeah, you know, and, it's so fun. Yeah, so, and, it's, and it's a blast. And so they said, we're going to have uh, football teams and not create it just so we can win city championships, mm-hmm. but how can we 
use this as an avenue to build consistent relationships with Athens youth and their families mm. that bring Christ-centered hope and encouragement. That's, wow. that's the whole purpose. Mm-hmm. So the football sports program um, started off one football team, became two football teams, became four teams, became cheerleaders, became basketball, uh, track, golf, tennis, all, all these different sports programs, uh, using it to try to serve the kids in the community. Wow. And then we ended up seeing, though, that in terms of when you're dealing with poverty, that the really the only way you're going to have a chance to break out of what we see in Athens is generational poverty mm. as opposed to situational poverty right. is um, without with an education. You've got to have an education. And so that's when we said, okay, let's try to supplement what's happening in the public schools and provide a um, private, Christ-centered alternative, but taking away the financial barrier to that. Mm. So they started Downtown Academy. Um, And so it's there serving that uh, kind of the same community. And and right now it's kindergarten through fifth grade. And... uh, what we say about Downtown Academy is we provide a rigorous uh, Christ-centered education that builds knowledge, character, and purpose. Wow. And, um, and so that's, uh, that's a big part of what we do. Uh, we also have part of our division of what we do called Downtown Life. Mm-hmm. And that's really more outreach-focused where we're trying to help address some of, and meet some of the most pressing needs in the community. Mm. And any time you're in... Uh, a high poverty situation there are lots of needs Mm. so trying to figure out what are those needs that we really want to serve and um we run an organization called or a a service called our daily bread um it's been in the community for a while but we took over responsibility for that in 2020 of um where we provide meals to anybody who needs it so that um and then we also we've we've chosen an area that we want to give some focus to is um, literacy, mm. um, just early childhood literacy, you know, to help give kids a chance. Right. Um, because there's all there's all kind of empirical data that shows that kids who aren't reading well by third grade are just behind the eight ball two-thirds of kids who there's a statistic show two-thirds mm-hmm. of kids who don't read well by third grade end up either in prison um, or on welfare two-thirds yes by third grade yeah oh my goodness and you know what you know why that is it's because uh, i remember the first time i heard it i thought yeah really come on are you just trying to pick a stat that yeah. you can but no they said and this is and the data bears this out that by the time you're in third grade in your educational development that's where you're transitioning from learning to read to reading to learn oh. and if you're behind if you don't know at how that to read, point you you're not learn. reading well and you can't learn and so you you just get farther and farther and farther behind and then that continues the generational poverty they're talking about that if and that's the educational aspect right. is that yeah. It just keeps going. So we found literacy, in our opinion, to be one of those linchpin mm. issues, areas, that if we can help address that, then we're hopefully on a 
potential impact area, being able to absolutely um, help turn that turn that Statistic tide a little around. bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I saw recently in one of your posts for uh, Downtown Life, I think it was, um, it was law students from the university that were giving free legal advice. Right. And I thought that is so cool because so often one of the causes of, uh, it seems, generational um, poverty is you don't know if someone's giving you a good deal or not. You don't know what your rights are. Right. You don't understand that aspect. And so to have an opportunity to get free and good legal advice is massive for someone to understand what, what they have the right to do and, and, and what someone doesn't have the right to do. Right. Um, and so I just thought that was so cool when I saw that. I was like, man, that's great. Yeah, that's a neat service we do. We also do health screenings mm. uh, to help hopefully early detection on mm. um, uh, potential health issues right. and then help connect them to resources to be able to get those addressed. So Yeah, and that's one of the things that um, it's so cool that you guys are thinking about the things that, that don't seem like those big hot topic items, but the things that actually go very deep into it because a lot of the times I, can, I see non-church organizations focus on things uh, that are just really like shareable, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they're mm, just big. Yeah. They're 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 emotional and it's big, um, but it doesn't seem like it hits the core of the issue. And to hear that you guys are have looked into and done the statistical research to find the core issue and then address that in the community is phenomenal. And that is so cool to see happening in Athens. So how does your faith then inform how you lead downtown ministries? Yeah, I think you know when we think about really any organization you've got to I, I describe it as there's a what and there's a how and there's a why mm -hmm. so my faith tries to I try to do the what you know well you know with excellence you know and how we do it you know we're trying to how we relate to one another how we um, you know build partnerships outside of our organization mm -hmm. Um, but probably the biggest area is trying to give real attention to the why. Right. You know, to help people connect to, hey, this is why we're doing this, you know. And so I think that, so vision casting, you know, connecting to the vision for um, what we believe God's doing in the community is, is really important. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, just frankly, uh, I never would have gone to Athens, and I, I mean, I loved what I was doing here. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a great um, run, get great gig at the university, and I loved that work. Uh, but I really felt like God was calling me to this. And the the encouraging thing was me being able to go with a degree of confidence mm. that God cares about these things. Absolutely. And God's at work. God's doing things. Um, so it goes back to that whole um, kingdom of God idea. Um, my pastor's a great friend, and um, you know he he describes the kingdom of God as uh, the restorative reign of God breaking into our broken world. Mm. And so that idea of God yeah. restoring things, yeah. and He's reigning over, He's establishing His reign. And Christ will come back one day mm -hmm. and, when, and finish the work. And so it won't be finished until then. Right. But we at least get to participate in that and see 
God breaking into those broken places right. and then um, uh, showing up. I think that's a great lead into the next topic is this idea of social justice in our country and something that I think maybe a lot of people misunderstand um, or have the definitions uh, kind of misaligned maybe because what you said then was just so good is that that idea that God's breaking into the, he cares about it. And he's going to come in and he's going to restore communities. And that means that there's community work to be done. Um, So why don't you, let's talk a little bit about that. that, Because you're working in a direct area that a lot of people would, you know, maybe label as a social justice type thing where you're going in and you're addressing those issues directly. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I guess generally my thought is if something is important to God, Mm. it needs to be important to me. Mm. And um, so when you take a look at the scriptures as a whole, uh, this is a very solid, clear, distinct uh, theme uh, that God addresses, you know, about the, the poor, mm-hmm. the widow, mm-hmm. the orphan, the stranger, which, you know, immigrant is what yeah. that's talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, he makes very clear that how you interact with those people and how you interact with those situations is a real clear indicator of your faith, of the mm-hmm. genuineness of your faith. Um, I mean, frankly, and I'm coming to all this late, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of oblivious to you know, some of these things before I really get into this work. Um, but there, some have gone through and identified over 2,000 verses in the scriptures, in the Bible, that ref- that talk about the poor and talk about issues of justice. Mm-hmm. The poor, the marginalized, and issues of justice. So I think this is clearly an issue that God cares about. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I don't agree with the theological perspective that, well, God cares about people's souls only or mm. primarily even, you know, mm-hmm. I think God's at work. Uh, I think God's moved by the, when he sees injustice, God's moved Absolutely. when he sees suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, so part of our work, and I think it's really every Christian's um, obligation at one level is to be moved to action by those same things, whether it's your vocation or not. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to care about the poor. We need to care about those who are suffering. So, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't mind the labels of, uh, hey, this is a, you know, are you focused on social justice? Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. I believe God is. I believe God cares about those things. And so that really helps inform and give energy to how I try to address this, how I try mm. to do our work and, and why we're um, engaged in the work we do. Absolutely. And I think Jesus is just such, I mean, as always, an amazing example yep. of these things where he's going out to leper colonies, the complete pushed out people. Right. And he's walking with them and he's restoring their communities and their bodies too and healing them. Right. And he's going to uh, people that, you know, um, they were going all the way around uh, was it the Samaria? And they, mm-hmm. the, the Jews would go all the way around it because they would not want to interact with them. And Jesus is like, right. we're going straight through. Straight through, yeah. And we're going to talk to them. And we're going to interact with them. We're going to engage. And we're going to restore. 
And so I think that one of the big things that the American church uh, needs to look at is the idea of, I need to be walking straight through the areas that I'm hmm. nervous about for whatever reason. I need right. to be the hands and feet of Christ in those communities uh, that I'm walking around right now and be aware of that because that's what Jesus did. Right. Um, and, th- and that whole idea mm-hmm. of the, when you look at Jesus' miracles, those things being um, a prelude to, one, he's restoring things that are broken mm-hmm. and as a prelude to what's going to happen at the resurrection mm-hmm. and all this stuff will be. You know, because people who were healed eventually still died. Yeah, Lazarus know. had to die twice. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but there's going to be one day when he's going to fully mm. restore all those things. And there'll be no more pain, no more death, no more right. injustice. It'll all be his perfect kingdom. Yeah. And so that's look, what we're living for. So, so looking forward to that is what sustains me. And, sust- and I'm trying to for our organization to sustain us in this work. Mm. Um, but also, too, to, um, that when we see positive things happening in our community, um, that's, I mean, those are the things we pray for. Mm. And that when we see them happen, hey, this is a taste. This is a glimpse of what's ultimately uh, coming when uh, he finishes his work of restoring all things to himself. Absolutely. Now, as, as you're leading an outreach ministry, um, primarily focused on uh, helping disadvantaged communities. If you could say one thing to every leader in an outreach ministry, what would you tell them? Yeah, I would say that the one, the confidence that we can have that God's at work mm. and God's doing things there is what sustains us through the challenges. Because mm. there are lots of challenges. I mean, there's challenges in every occupation every vocation right but as you see um encounter those challenges within this work we can know that god's not ambivalent to those things Mm -hmm. so when he promises to walk with us and to help us in the midst of those things we can do that absolutely uh, with confidence um and then for me it's just that connection to the theological idea of the kingdom of god of Mm -hmm. knowing that uh, this isn't side work or busy work. No, this is ministering to people who are made in God's image and who are going to be the the highlights of the new creation is that um, God restoring people unto himself. And so to be a part of that is a is a, an energizing and, and really it's, it's a sustaining idea that's helped me and I think it'd help anybody doing this kind of work. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for being on the show with us today. It has been an absolute delight to get to talk to you about this stuff. Yeah, it's it's a, great. It's been fun. Good. And then a needed topic that I think a lot of our listeners are going to benefit from. So mm. thank you again for being on the great. show. Thank you. And uh, if you would like to partner with Downtown Ministries, uh, we will provide the link uh, to their website in the description below. So check it out. While you're down there, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with a friend uh, with our podcast. We only exist uh, because you guys are engaging, uh, listening, and being edified by these conversations. So we thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.